Hello, my gorgeous friend. I hope your week is going swimmingly. I am so thrilled to be back with you. Today, I'm really excited to say that the very clever Casey Edwards is joining me once again. You'll probably remember her from a couple of episodes back. She joined us to talk about her book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. And I was absolutely blown away by your feedback and responses here and on social media. Casey had some fabulous insights from her research into this area over the last 10 years. So if you haven't caught that episode, definitely go back and check it out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can find it really easily. Today, though, we're talking boys because patriarchy is bad for everyone. So Casey's latest book, which she wrote with her husband, Dr. Christopher Scanlon, is called Bringing Up Boys Who Like Themselves. Casey, thank you so much for joining me again. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you back. Oh, thank you for having me back. And hi, everyone. I'm so, so thrilled to be back on the show for a second time. So hello again and thank you. And listeners to the show will know how rare it is that I get people back and get people back so quickly. So you really, you know, you you set the benchmark high here, Casey. I hit the jackpot. <laughs> yeah, you did. So obviously last time we spoke about bringing up girls who like themselves, why do boys require a different approach? Yeah, look, that's such a good question and it comes up a lot. And the reason is, Ed, is as much as we would wish it was otherwise, boys and girls get treated differently from the moment they take their first breath. So it's one of the first questions people ask when someone's pregnant and even the responses of nurses in the delivery ward, they respond differently. And so because boys and girls are treated differently in the world, some of the problems that they face are different and therefore require different solutions. Of course, there are similarities between boys and girls and and for non-binary children as well. And they vary depending on the, the boy and the girl. Um, that we're talking about but there are differences in the way the world approaches boys and girls absolutely so true and the last time um we chatted we spoke about the fact that so many of these strategies are actually brilliant to use on yourself too so so if people are listening along and they hear certain things or they think "Mm, I should get the blokes in my life to listen to this or you are a bloke and you're listening please note that all of these strategies you can use on yourself too which is absolutely wonderful we've had some amazing feedback from dads actually and what's happened and this is totally blown me away is that one third of the people buying bringing up boys who like themselves from our store are dads and that just doesn't happen so typically mums buy parenting books Mm -hmm. I mean sure some dads do but if you look at publishing data this isn't a sexist statement or a generalization cold hard data Parenting books are bought by women, but we're seeing a third of the sales going to dads. And some dads have actually said that they now feel so much uh, better and more optimistic and more confident about raising their boys because they struggled with being a boy and what it was to be a man. And so these strategies do relate to, to, to them. They can apply it in their own lives, but also to give them more confidence in raising their boys. Yeah, which is so wonderful. And I can't get into some of these practical things that we're going to delve into a little bit later on. But if if we're a parent or a caregiver and we're listening to this and we're thinking, but I just treat all my boys and all my girls the same. What What's your response to that? 
Look, a lot of people said that to us, but the research shows that even when you are determined to parent gender neutrally, you don't. Mm. And there's a really amazing study by the BBC where they got a boy baby and a girl baby and they switched the genders of the baby in the study and they brought people in to play with the boy who was dressed like a girl and the girl baby who was dressed like a boy. And they played with them totally differently. So for the the baby they thought was a girl, they were gooing and garring and they were playing role play and more nurturing type games, um, using more emotive language. For the boy, it was building blocks and it was robots and it was trucks. And these people actually believed that they parented neutrally. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah, because we... We are products of our environment Mm. and every parent knows that as soon as your baby comes along, things pop out of your mouth (laughs) that you have not thought about since your parents said it to you. So, of course, we are influenced by the way we were parented. We're influenced by our society around us. So it is an admirable ambition and we absolutely should be as gender neutral as possible, but the reality is we're not. Yeah, absolutely. And so before we even think about implementing some of the seven pillars that you outline in the book that you found to be integral for raising boys who like themselves, you talk about us needing to check our own baggage and how it might be influencing the way we're raising our boys. What should we be asking ourselves that might reveal how we actually are parenting our boys? Yeah, so something to think about that and that we really <laughs> were surprised about and and disturbed about in our research was that when it comes to raising girls, we are very open about all the different ways a girl can be a girl. And women, mothers, aunts, grandmothers have been fighting for centuries for girls to be anything that they want to be. But boys, we still as a society and even on an individual level still feel like there is only one way to be a boy. Mm. And we saw this particularly with dads who were toughening their boys up and they didn't really want to do that, but they knew what it was like to be a boy and so they did it anyway. And so what we need to think about is do we actually want to raise our boy in that one way to be a boy and um, how much we are influenced by our own experiences about what a boy should and should not be. Yeah, because I guess, you know, anybody who's <clears throat> been around boys as they grow up, they'll see that like those younger boys, they love dressing up and they really love the dancing and they really love that creativity and the drawing and the art. And then once they hit about 12 and it becomes less acceptable in society and in the friendship groups to be into that kind of thing, it becomes really hard for boys to stick to what they genuinely like. Well, unfortunately, it can happen so much earlier than that. Really? So we spoke to childcare workers who got in trouble by parents for allowing their boy to wear a princess dress. We spoke to a dad who wouldn't let his boy sit on a swing next to another boy because he's not into dudes. You know, so these beliefs that we thought, you know, we'd left behind a century ago are still very, very present Mm. in our society. And a lot of them are hinged on homophobia, Mm -hmm. that the worst thing, and also sexism, right, Mm. the worst thing a boy can be 
is like a girl. Mm. Every time we say to a boy, you know, you throw, don't throw like a girl, run like a girl, we are implicitly teaching our boys from a very young age that girls are inferior to boys. And the research shows that by the age of six, boys think that's true. Mm. Like where does that come from? It comes from us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's heartbreaking. And the thing is, we know that that's not good for, for girls, mm. for boys to grow up with that attitude. But half the world is female. So it is really bad for boys for them to grow up thinking that women are inferior to them because firstly, they're going to end up with a female boss. It's going to be really hard to work for someone who you think is inferior just because of her gender. If they have a female partner, you can't have a truly intimate, emotionally satisfying relationship with someone who you think is inferior to you. Mm -hmm. So we are denying these boys the opportunity to have a meaningful relationship. And then when you look at the stats about men and loneliness, a lot of these men have female partners. And why are they lonely? Well, possibly because they can't connect with their wives because they believe they're inferior. Mm. So we are really harming our boys by teaching them implicitly in so many different ways that girls are inferior. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so one of the um, seven pillars you talk about that we also just spoke about with uh, girls is the power perspective. And I really loved this. Can you remind us of what it is and why it's so important for boys? Yeah, so the idea of a power perspective is that we can't always choose the things that are going to happen in life. We can't control the events but what we can control is our response to those events. We always have the power to, to choose how we respond. And that can change your life. So two boys can be faced with exactly the same situation and they can have very similar skill sets, but one will thrive and one will be crushed and the difference is their perspective. Mm -hmm. So we can teach our children to think in a more empowered way and have a more empowered life. Now, there is a difference in the power perspective between boys and girls because often girls are, t are taught to act weak, to not be empowered, mm -hmm. to be the damsel in distress, right? So we need to focus on that when we build the power perspective. But for the boys, boys are taught to be negative. They are taught that, you know, real men see the world for what it is and it sucks, you know, and that any kind of optimism is a feminine trait. And as we've just said, you know, that's the worst thing that they could possibly be. Mm. But the thing about the power perspective is what your boy says, his brain believes. Mm -hmm. So if he goes through life performing negativity because he believes that that's a masculine trait, then he will have a difficult life. Because you, what you get in life is what you perceive in life. And so he will see problems, everything will be shit, everything will suck. And we see that in boys, you know, starting from the tween years, they're so negative and that really harms them. And so what we've worked with parents of boys, boys who are negative about everything, don't want to go to school, say life's not worth living, everything sucks, I have no friends, can't read or whatever. And we've worked with parents just on changing the boy's perspective. And we've and they've said to their boy, you get to decide how you feel about this. That is your choice. You can choose to continue to be negative and feel bad, or you can choose to change your perspective and feel better. And the boys have done that and it has changed everything. And it's so powerful because you don't need money. 
You don't need heaps of time. You just need your boy to understand that he has the power to choose how he responds to the events in his life. Mm, so incredibly valuable that. And so um, character building is something that can be really tough. Like when I was growing up, um, you know, I never wanted to go on camp. I never really wanted to do those kinds of things. It was like, oh, you know, it's character building. You know, other people would say that. My mom never made me go. But you know, <laughs> it was like, it, it, no, it's character building. You should go. But it, it mm-hmm. like character building is something that can be really tough to figure out because as a parent or caregiver, you never want your kids to suffer. And that's kind of how we're taught character is built. Mm-hmm. But you do want them to build resilience. So how can yeah. we raise boys with mm-hmm. the strength of character? Okay, so we get this question a lot. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. And I think from girl parents and boy parents, but I think it is, it's worse for boys, mm. because boys what we, how we define masculinity is that boys can't fail. Yeah. They're so afraid of failing, so afraid of making mistakes. They have very few role models of boys and men failing and then getting up and being okay, which means they're even more likely to, to want to avoid situations that are hard. So they don't want to go on camp. They don't want to go to swimming. They don't want to speak on assembly. They don't want to hand in their assignment. They don't want to do their maths test or whatever it is. And as parents, you feel their pain like it's your own Mm. and it's easy to say, oh, look, it's just assembly. Who cares? I didn't speak on assembly and I turned out all right. But the thing is, every time we validate our child's fear by indulging it, we are saying to them, you're right, you can't do that. We are amplifying their fear. And From a power perspective, that is the worst thing that we could possibly do. So in almost every situation that your child is trying to avoid because they are scared, we need to say to them, you can do this. You can do hard things and I'm going to support you to do it. So the answer to should my kid go on camp is almost always yes. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You do make a convincing argument, though. Because our kids need to know that we believe in them. And when we let them opt out, we're saying to them that even we think they're too hopeless to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a really hard one, that, though, isn't it? Because where do we draw the line between character building and saying, yeah, you know what, if if you're telling me you don't enjoy that, you don't enjoy that, you don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, I'm fully 100% behind that because part of raising a boy who likes himself is allowing him to get to know himself Mm. and for you to love and respect and nurture the boy that he is. So if you have a gentle boy who would prefer to be doing photography than tackling on a football field, then support him in doing his photography, right? So that's separate from the things you have to do, like school camp, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to turn your boy into something that he's not, yeah, and that happens a lot in our society, mm-hmm. is so damaging for that boy because he can never be what he isn't. Mm. He will always be a second-rate version of himself, and he you cannot like a second-rate version of yourself. Not at all. And so one of the things you also talk about uh, in the book is the man box and and how it's stopping boys from being themselves. What's the man box and why is it such a problem? This is really interesting research and it's scary, but it is also empowering. There's good news for parents in this. 
The man box is an idea of the values and behaviours that we expect men to adhere to. And there are things like a man must always be in control. A man dominates women. A man never asks for help. A man um, is the breadwinner. A man never backs away from a fight. All of those values that we now equate with toxic masculinity are what's in the man box. And as a society, we force men in that man box. When, when boys step outside of it, we call them weak. We call them a pussy. We take a spoon of concrete, you know, and get over it or build a bridge or whatever. But the research shows that the boys and the men who subscribe to the man box values, who actually believe they are true, yes, I need to dominate my wife or dominate my girlfriend or dominate my female colleague to feel okay to be a man, they do worse in life by every measure. They are twice as likely to consider suicide. They are far more likely to be in a car accident. They are more likely to have an addiction. They have worse mental health. They have worse physical health. They do worse in the workplace and they have poorer relationships. So these values, if you subscribe to them, they're really bad for men. Mm. The good news is, is sometimes in life, men will have to perform man box values. But if they don't believe in them, then they do not suffer from all those negative things that I just listed. Wow. And so that's where we as parents come in because we get in first. We get to build our boys' values. And so if we can build in them that you don't need to be in control all the time to feel like a man, you don't need to pretend that you've never made a mistake in your life to feel worthy, then they are not at risk the same level of of risk as all the men who actually do believe in the man box values. So what we realised was that traditional masculine values are about building a boy from the outside in. So we think that if you dominate someone else, if you control, if you're aggressive, if you win all the time, if you have stuff that other people don't have and they want, be it a toy or a sports car, right, or that flash house, then you'll feel good about yourself. So these men grow up really brittle and insecure because they can't control all the factors that are required for them to feel good about themselves. Mm. So, for example, you know, If you grow up thinking that I have to be the dominant person in my household, the head of the household, to feel good about myself, and then your wife gets a pay rise, well, instead of being happy for her or proud of her or just enjoying the extra money coming into the house, your self-esteem is crushed because you as a man can't feel okay about yourself because the external condition has changed. So that's terrible for the woman, obviously, but it's really bad for the man as well. So what we need to do is, and we call this strength of character, it's building our boys from the inside out. You build them so they have the right values, so that they are already worthy enough and that they can express their feelings. They don't have to offload them onto other people. They don't have to compete with someone to feel okay about themselves. And if they grow up knowing that they're already good enough, then all those external things come to them anyway because those people are more successful in life and they're happier in life. So we need to focus on building our boys' strength of character. And what we mean by that 
is we want our boys to be strong rather than tough. And so when we started writing the book, we because we don't have boys, we started by asking 15,000 parents what their biggest concerns were in raising a boy. And the responses were remarkably similar. And one of the biggest concerns was a, that parents didn't want to raise their boy to be tough, but they didn't want him to be weak. And because weak was worse, they were going to focus on tough. But the good news is, is that you don't have to choose between tough and weak because weak is actually a consequence of tough. When you raise your boy to rely on external markers, you are raising him to be weak. When you raise your boy to not never apologise, you are raising him to be weak. And that came up a lot. It was amazing how many women said, my husband's never apologised, I never heard my dad apologise, my brother's never apologised. So these boys are growing up with no role models for mm. people who can, for boy, for the men who can admit that they've done something wrong. And the thing is, nobody in life goes through life without ever needing to apologise. We all make mistakes. We're all careless. We all misjudge things. But the thing is, you cannot have a meaningful, intimate relationship with someone if you can't own the impact of your actions. So these boys who are being raised to be tough cannot have real relationships because it takes strength of character to apologise, to say, I stuffed up, let me fix it. Mm. It takes strength of character to be able to manage your own emotion, emotions and feelings rather than to offload them on someone else. And that's what we see with tough boys and tough men. First of all, they'll avoid situations where they might feel a bad feeling or they will outrun it with addiction or unhealthy behaviours or they will offload it onto someone else because they are too brittle to carry it. And we all hear stories of, you know, don't tell your father. The mother and the children managing situations in the household because daddy can't manage his own anger. So that toughness that he has been raised with makes him brittle. And so we need to be focusing on strong, building a boy from the inside out. And the core of being strong is about having emotional bravery. And this is the really good news, Ed. It's not that hard to build in kids and it's not that hard to build in yourself. And so the research about this is amazing. It's almost like a magic wand that if you can accurately name what you're feeling accurately, you can shortcut the link between distress and anger and go most of the way to resolving your feelings. And women already know this. Like when we have a bad day, when we have a fight with a par our partner, we go to our girlfriends and we have a chat. And what are we doing? We are accurately naming what we feel. And then we walk away feeling so much better, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem with boys and men, first of all, is a lot of them can't accurately name emotions. Many of them can only name three emotions, happy, sad, angry. Okay, so but you have to accurately name your emotion. So if your boy says he's angry when he's actually ashamed, jealous, lonely, it doesn't work, right? He needs to accurately name it to a safe person. And that's the other problem. Boys often are not given a safe space 
to admit their difficult feelings. Mm-hmm. So we need to be that that safe space for the boys the way we are for our friends. Mm. When your boy comes home and says, I'm really angry, you say, well, let's let's talk about what's actually going on. And what we have in our book, and I'll give you a copy, Ed, to put in the show notes, is an emotions wheel. Print it out, put it on your fridge. So when your boy says he's angry, have a look at anger and then look at all the other things he could possibly be. And maybe he's actually feeling jealous. Maybe he's feeling jealous because he didn't get something at school that he wanted. Now, him just being able to say that to you will go most of the way to healing that discomfort. And it's empowering him to take responsibility for managing his own feelings rather than being brittle and running away from them. And this might sound all fluffy and that's really lovely, but making our kids emotionally brave is absolutely critical to their academic success. Mm. First of all, they are not learning anything in class if they are all wound up and they're all angry and they're all frustrated and they haven't practiced managing their emotions in productive ways. But secondly, one of the reasons kids don't succeed, and this is particularly for boys, they don't reach their potential, not because they're not good enough, because they cannot manage the feeling that comes from the feedback that is required to succeed. Wow. So feedback and criticism hurts. No one likes being told that they've fallen short of their own expectations, right? But that is required to succeed. When failure is a necessary step on the road to success, but you have to be able to tolerate the discomfort of that. And a lot of boys, because they're not given the vocabulary and not given the safe place to learn to express their emotions, can't deal with it and therefore don't reach their potential. You just blow my mind on so many levels. That was amazing. I like there's so much in there that is just incredible. A, I'm sure so many people like me are listening to this and thinking, yep, I've got like a list of five men who I know cannot name emotion and are incredibly brittle in that way. B, it's no surprise that so many women get into these relationships with these men and then feel like they have to be their mothers because these men can't regulate their emotions and so they throw it back onto the women who they're in this relationship with. It's just like, wow, okay, that was incredible, Casey. You blew my mind. I love it. It's it's so common for women to be managing the emotional state of their male partner. Don't do that to your boy. No. Give him emotional vocabulary. Give him the strength to handle his uncomfortable feelings and you will raise a man who likes himself and you'll raise a man who is capable of more productive, intimate relationships. Amazing. So incredible. So I'm sure one of the questions that you must get a lot, um, given you talk about, uh, you know, toxic masculinity and how to prevent boys from falling down that trap, is that now there seems to be this influx of teenage boys in particular who are kind of caught up in this Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate online misogyny, right? So if we get to this point where we've raised our boys and they're kind of getting sucked up in this world, are there strategies that we can employ to kind of bring them away from that edge? Or did we need to have done more work earlier on? Uh, look, I mean, early work, obviously, yeah, and, pre- and preventing them from getting there would be a good thing. Yeah. Um, 
but also there's so many factors we can't control, right? Yeah. So, you know, if your boy's there, he's there and there's no point, you know, diagnosing how that happened. But often the boys who end up there are there because they don't like themselves and they're looking for someone to blame, mm. right? Yeah, and who do they blame? Such a big part well, the of it, easy right? answer is girls and women, yeah. right? That's the easy answer. Or it's racism or it's homophobia, right? It's finding someone to hate so you can feel good about yourself. So that's getting back to external reasons rather than strength of character. I'm hurting, so I'm going to lash out and blame someone else for that. Now, just on a really practical level, what we can do if our boys are there is, first of all, don't slag off Andrew Tate or any of the others because Andrew Tate, they've built in their own rebuttal, yeah, right? Yeah. So what you need to do is be really open to your boy and say, tell me what you like about that and let him talk about it and discuss it rather than shut it down because then that just like adds fuel to the fire. But the other thing to think about is that every boy desperately needs to know that he is good at something. Every person, of course, but this is particularly the case with boys because we have an idea as a society that to raise a good boy into a good man, you need to punish him, you need to shame him, you need to push him, you need to correct all his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So these boys are growing up feeling like there's something wrong with them, feeling ashamed. And so that's why they're so vulnerable to these predators like Andrew Tate. What we need for our boys is for them to feel like they are worthy people. And the way we do that, first of all, is your boy will see himself through your eyes. So if you want your boy to believe that he is worthy and lovable, that needs to come across from you all the time, right? And that can also be really hard because, as we said, our own parenting baggage and our own idea that my boys are naughty and they need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, he needs to know he's good at stuff. Mm. So find his strengths. Instead of focusing on what he's doing wrong, where he's struggling at school, any behavior problems, help him find the things that he's really good at. Notice his strengths and help him develop those strengths because then he will come to define himself on the things that he can do rather than he can't. the things he can't which will give him more strength of character, more self-belief, and less likely to be influenced by the predators. When I say this, people go, yeah, that's great, but my boy can't read. I don't have the luxury of finding his strengths. But the thing is, the best way to correct your boy's weaknesses is by focusing on his strengths. And I'll give you an example. Imagine you've got two boys who are struggling with reading. You've got a parent who... They love their boys just as much, right? Both of these strategies come from love. But the parent thinks, I'm going to get my boy to like himself and have self-esteem and be successful in life by focusing on reading, 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 and I'm going to get him reading, right? And so this boy defines himself by what he can't do. I can't read. Everyone always talks about my reading. I suck at reading. I'm dumb. I hate school. I don't want to go to school. I'm just going to go online and watch Andrew Tate, right? (laughs) And then when he goes to his makeup reading classes, he hates them. He's shut down. He's angry. He's ashamed. He's not learning anything. And then you've got another boy whose parents are focusing on his strengths. And he's defined himself by maybe, I am really good at computers. I can fix anything. 
but I need some extra help with reading. Yeah. Exactly the same situation, right? Totally different perspective and totally different foundation for his self-worth. He goes to his reading classes and, yeah, he's open for it. He knows he needs a bit of help. No one's perfect and this is the thing that I've got to work on, but he's already a valuable, worthwhile person. And we can do that in our boys just by helping them see what they are good at and developing that thing that they are good at. And this is another thing that is particular to boys. We get a lot of people saying, my boy's lazy, my boy won't do anything. And people think that the antidote for laziness or how to teach boys grit and determination is to force them to do something that they don't want to do, right? Reading grammar over and over again or playing the violin or whatever it is, right? They think that if I make my boy do that, he'll learn persistence, he'll learn grit and he'll be successful. That is not how it works. Grit is like a muscle, right? And the way you build your grit and perseverance muscle is by encouraging your boy to do more of what he loves. And so the thing is, whatever your boy loves, there's going to be parts of it that he doesn't really like. So let's say your boy loves horse riding. If you want to be a horse rider, you have to shovel poo, right? (laughs) This was my entire teenage years. (laughs) You have to do the bits you don't like in order to do the bit that you really love. Yeah. So you encourage your boy and support him to do the bits he doesn't like in support of what he loves. And that is how you build his grit, his perseverance, his determination. And then that muscle that he's built can be applied to other areas of his life. I love that. That's so valuable because, um, and that definitely works in terms of like turning it on yourself too, because I learned to surf. Uh, I started last November and my God, it's hard. But do you know what? I used to be uh, so, you know, I'd get everybody to do everything for me as soon as it got really hard. Like I'd go, oh, can you do that? Can you, do- oh, I can't do it. Can you do that? Now I'm like, in my head, I'm like, just give it one more crackhead. And do you know what? Every time I give it one more crack, I can do it myself. You are so right in that. It's definitely valuable. And especially, especially for boys and, you know, if you're trying to raise that grit which is so hard right because it's such an elusive thing to put your finger on but I really love that way of doing it the the people who have the most optimism and hope yeah the way you have now are not the people who've had an easy life no right they're the people who have struggled and succeeded Mm. they have evidence from their own experience that they can do hard things that they can deal with the difficult emotions and they can flourish. Yeah, it's so true. I really love that. And so um, you say that another uh, couple of the uh, ingredients, the essential ingredients for self-esteem are mastery, which we kind of covered <laughs> there, but also independence. Yeah. This can be really hard because I guess like I don't have kids yet, but I feel like I would find it incredibly hard to um, encourage independence because I would just want to jump in and be like, oh, don't do that. But how can we create the right conditions for independence in our Mm -hmm. boys to thrive? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I want to say about this is our generation of parents, we get beaten over the head all the time for being helicopter parents, (laughs) smothering our children, not letting them struggle, not making them independent, right? It's not that there's something wrong with us. It's just that we are there. Our parents were not there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They didn't have to make that decision. 
each time we see our child struggle, we have to consciously choose to step back and let them struggle or to move in or to move in and help them. And that judgment call is really hard. Yeah. But it's something that we need to be mindful of because real self-esteem comes from feeling like you can do life. Now, this doesn't mean your boy needs a trophy full of, sorry, a cabinet full of trophies or ribbons or A pluses. It just means that he needs to feel that whatever's going to come at him at life, in life, he's going to have the skills and the internal resources to deal with it. Mm. And that's simple things like he needs to be able to speak to people. He needs to be able to speak for himself. He needs to be able to take responsibility for his own belongings. He needs to be able to feed himself, wash his own clothes. Now, obviously, these are staggered as they grow up, but the research shows that boys are not expected to do domestic work the way girls are. Mm -mm. So many boys become men and cannot look after themselves. Like, that's not good when, <laughs> when it comes to liking yourself. Like, you would feel very insecure if you can't even meet your own basic needs, right? So what the rule is for parents is only do for your boy what he cannot do for himself within reason, right? Sometimes, you know, for a young boy, you don't have a spare hour for him to tie his shoelaces in the morning, right? <laughs> but you need to encourage him to learn to do things for himself You need to be okay when he stuffs up because a fear of of failure is a really big deal for boys and that's when they opt out and that's when we think they're being lazy but they're just afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. When they do things for themselves the first time, they are going to stuff it up. But we need to support them and encourage them so they learn these skills. So then that brings self-esteem, it brings independence and that's how they like themselves. That is such a great thing to have in our arsenal. I love it. There's so many brilliant values in here uh, and so much great advice and strategies. What's the one thing you want parents to remember out of all of this? I want you to consider that absolute poison for any person, but particularly boys, is shame. There is an idea that boys need to be shamed in order to be controlled motivated. We need to shame them through their education. We need to shame them in their relationships and in their behavior. Absolutely nothing good comes from being shamed. And we know that boys who consider suicide are deeply ashamed, right? And think about this for yourself. If you feel ashamed, are you in your best place to learn, to be your best self, to connect with the people around you? No. And so if you would would feel ashamed if someone said or did something to you, your boy will feel shame if someone says or does it to him. So when your boy does behave badly, and he will because they're all learning how to how the world works and how they work themselves, instead of seeing him as bad and needing to him to be punished or shamed, see it as a learning opportunity. This is your opportunity to build him from the inside out, instill him with good values, talk to him calmly and with love about why that wasn't a good decision, and then empower him with what he can do next time. Rather than keeping him stuck in the mistake, stuck in the shame, say, I believe that you can do better. Tell me, what what can you do better next time so this doesn't happen? And I'm going to help you do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Such a wonderful, wonderful little bit of advice. Thank you so much, Casey. It's been such a joy to chat. I love having you back on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Ed. Casey Edwards' latest book, which she wrote with her husband, Dr. Christopher Scanlon, is called Bringing Up Boys Who Like Themselves. I'm going to put the link in the show notes and all the links, those little bits of wonderful information that Casey mentioned there, I'll pop those in too. So make sure you refer to that. Again, if you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget that we also chatted about raising girls who like themselves a couple of episodes back, and you can find that in the show notes. Make sure you check out the book because there is so much more in this and it's incredibly valuable. And I know, you know, anything that focuses on boys now, it's kind of, you know, we think, oh, we should be focusing on the girls, which is so true, but patriarchy is bad for everyone. And we really need to start um, tackling this from both sides of the equation. So I just think this is so incredibly valued. So please go and check it out. Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed having a chat with you guys today and I hope you found this conversation useful. I'm Ed Stott and I sincerely hope that's helpful. <laughs>